0: In an era of online retail,
1: where everything is just a few clicks away, buying a car should be no different. That's why at Carvana,
0: you can buy a car 100% online. We made it easy to browse, view, and buy from over 10,000 cars. You can even trade in your old car, all while binge-watching your favorite TV show.
1: Afterwards, we'll deliver your car to you, or you can pick it up from one of our car vending machines. Either way, your car comes with a seven-day return policy. So grab a seat, relax in your comfy pants, and enjoy the new way to buy a car at Carvana.
2: People notice a healthy smile, but maybe you have tooth sensitivity, bleeding gums, or acid-weakened enamel. Sensodyne, Peridontax, and Pronamel are trusted specialty toothpastes created to help improve your oral health. For tooth sensitivity, choose Sensodyne. Bleeding gums, get Peridontax. For acid-weakened enamel, ProNamel is the toothpaste for you. Sensodyne, Paradontax, and ProNamel. Trusted specialty toothpaste to help bring home your healthy smile. Visit iBotta to earn cash back. Hey everyone, this is John Roca from Collider. By now you've likely heard about Disney Plus, the new streaming service that
3: includes Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, and National Geographic. With all of these amazing brands in one place, Disney Plus has one of the most incredible libraries in the entire streaming landscape, and it's all ad-free. From beloved classics like Snow White and the Seven Dwarves to today's blockbusters like Captain Marvel and Avengers Endgame to critically acclaimed documentaries like National Geographic's Free Solo. The content on Disney Plus is truly unparalleled. Disney Plus also offers some of the most beloved TV shows of all time, including 30 seasons of the Emmy Award-winning animated series The Simpsons. And if that weren't enough, Disney Plus has also rolled out a host of originals, like The Mandalorian, the first-ever Star Wars live-action series, and high school musical The Musical The Series, a very meta take on the beloved film franchise. It's no wonder Disney Plus has become one of the most talked-about streaming services of 2019. So don't miss out. Sign up for Disney Plus now and start streaming all this great content today. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
2: We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. Ah. Take a
1: treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary.
3: On this live episode of Collider Movie Talk, well, 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 it's the first Black Widow teaser. Let's get excited. We got an Olivia Wilde defense of Richard Jewell, and M. Night is going a bit dark. No shock. We're talking about all that on this live episode of Collider Movie Talk. Look at that logo. <laughs> yeah, I love that logo. Boom! How's it going, everyone? I'm John Roca, sitting in for Perry and Nemiroff, who is off doing some fun stuff in New York. Uh, but uh, we got a lot to talk about today, and we can't talk about it all without two special people joining me on the panel today i'm super excited to welcome them i have not worked with them on movie talk as this trio so i'm even more excited let's meet them now rachel cushing how are you
1: i'm very good thanks for having me back
3: you're recovering from thanksgiving everything
1: cool yes um i was telling roker earlier i'm a chicken fan not a turkey fan so my boyfriend cooked a chicken dinner but it was just as good we relaxed it was wonderful
3: there you go i don't know do you use oversized chicken or is it a? a it was right? a whole chicken a, a, a whole, whole chicken ch- oh yeah Four fried chickens and a Coke over there. <laughs> Matt, actually, how are you, brother? I'm good. I only had dry white toast. <laughs> that's a Blues Brothers reference. That, that's right. I love it. I love it. Um, well, well, let's get into the first topic here, and that's this Black Widow teaser trailer. And remember what, what I'm saying there. Teaser trailer. Those are the operative two words here. I saw some people complaining on social media already. I don't know what this is about. I don't know what's going on, blah, blah, blah. The point is to get you excited for this movie. I think it certainly did that. It's set in the two-year gap between Captain America, Civil War, and Avengers Infinity War. War. there's part of the new poster that they dropped as well. Scarlett Johansson comes back to play Natasha Romanoff. We get her facing off against her sister, Yelena Bolov, who's being played by the wonderful and awesome and only 24 years old, Florence Pugh. Uh, we also get David Harbour. He's uh, uh, playing Red Guardian. We also get Melina Vostokov and that's being played by Rachel, the lovely Rachel Weiss. Uh, so they all come together as this kind of family. There's some action. There's some fighting. Uh, we get Black Widow in a white suit. All kinds of stuff going on here. So let's get your first. We Reactions to this teaser trailer? Who wants to go? Uh, I'll go first. Okay. Uh, teaser, uh,
4: back when I was younger, oh teasers boy. were like a minute long. Right, this yeah. is almost a full-on trailer. Um, it looks pretty solid, right? I, I think this is good. Uh, the white outfit is kind of a throwback to some of the later appearances, especially in the 80s yes. you saw of Black Widow. Um You know, I, I suspect that this is going to set up that Florence Pugh will probably take over that role for movies going forward. I haven't read any news as to whether or not she's under contract, but considering Yelena has taken the Black Widow mantle, um, as well as Scarlet Widow. Uh, Mm. I think that we can expect that a younger actress, because that's what Marvel, that's what some of these companies do, right? Right. They'll cast someone that they know that they can get at a decent price and get for a handful of movies Mm -hmm. because if you go for someone who's a big star then you're going to be paying out the nose for a long time. If we remember going back to the Avengers in the beginning of the MCU you know, even Downey. Downey was a risk when they cast him in Iron Man. Um, Nobody really knew about Chris Evans. Nobody really knew about Chris Hemsworth. Like those guys were fines Mm -hmm. and you know now they're huge A-list stars, but that's not the way they started out, and so this could put Pew in that uh, in that area. You could actually argue that
3: Scarlett Johansson was the most notable and yes, worthy absolutely. person when they first cast the original Avengers coming forward. So to see her now finally get her own solo movie, and we do get a shot. Here of uh, Yelena, who is four pew, wearing the black and green vest that Black Widow wears in Infinity War. So, what did you think about this? What stood out for you? Yeah, uh, I think uh,
1: Matt's right on. I I like the idea of you know because we know what happens in Endgame of doing a prequel, but setting up what happens next. Yeah. And Florence Pugh is exploding this year, and she's a great find. I'm really excited to see her and Scarlet's dynamic. That little fight scene, um, Matt said earlier, had a little Jason Bourne vibe. Yeah. It reminded me of the fight scene between Cap and uh, Batroc on the Lemurian Star and the yeah. Winter Soldier, so I really like the hand-to-hand combat aspect of it. I also really think that the movie looks like it's going to lean really into the quote that she starts off with about family, mm-hmm. because her new family is the Avengers and we're going to get a glimpse at a different kind of family that she used to have um, in her past. And I'm really curious about that dynamic, especially given that it's David Harbour and Rachel yeah. Weiss and what that means.
4: And that's a good point because I would think if it's an older family, we know in later movies in later movies in the timeline that, that Nat doesn't have a family. Right. And I would argue with actors like Harbour and Vice, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think any of them are safe and might not survive the I, film. I, well, I think, right?
3: And I think that's that leads back to her quote there when she was like, you know, this is the only fan. When she sacrifices herself in Infinity War, I mean, spoiler alert if you haven't seen this thing, but I mean, when she sacrifices herself, she's doing it. For her family in a way that maybe she's not going to be able to do here in this movie. So this will be interesting in that way. And of course, if you you know anything about uh, Rachel Vice's character, she becomes Iron Maiden, which is a supervillain. So will that happen in this movie? Will we get the seeds of that? We get a shot of Taskmaster. Matt, you were mentioning we don't see the cape. We don't (laughs) see the no hood, hood. no
4: cape. Not really much of us. Like I'm a little bummed out with the way Taskmaster looks. Is this an Edna Mode thing? No capes is what maybe maybe maybe, right. Uh, I I would like to have. Seen something that's maybe a little bit more classic, but Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, we've done the skulls on, you know, you see them on Punisher, Mm -hmm. you saw it on, uh, what's his name? Um, The crossbones? Crossbones. Yeah, right. So I guess we're not going to see something that looks like a classic skull,
3: but. I don't know.
4: I kind of always like Taskmaster and his, you know, especially his later anti-hero vibe. Like, yeah. oh, I'm just a merc. I just do whatever for money.
3: Right. Let's talk about Thaddeus Ross all of a sudden. Thunderbolt Ross. Yeah. I mean, we. he's been kind of an underused character. And the only person to survive to cross over <laughs> from the uh, Edward Norton Hulk uh, has been William Hertz yeah. Th- Ross. Thunderbolt also has always been one of my favorite characters in the comics and 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 how he's gone back and forth with Banner and with Hulk you which are you excited him him being kind of a um, opponent of uh, Natasha's
1: yeah because they really set that up well in Civil War mm-hmm. and you know and he he's kind of like the bad guy in a lot of ways in that and it um, I'm interested to see you know after the, you know everybody splits off and escapes and and everybody's sort of on the run after that you know but still clearly possible world ending events or uh, terrible events could happen and yeah. he might need to put aside things to work with her or maybe there's you know um, an, an antagonism thing happening here yeah. like it could go either way based on what we know that happened in Civil War so that's sure. curious.
4: My suspicion here is that Ross is going to play something akin to an M type character that is that is giving Nat orders to go back to Russia and figure some stuff out yeah. and then maybe we later see him on the ground there because I suspect that I mean I don't know the script but I I suspect that it's something about Nat having been in the States for a while, and that which would justify her flawless accent compared mm-hmm. to everyone else's oh. over-the-top <laughs> Russian right. accent. Yeah. Steel feats. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will now do the rest of the show speaking <laughs> like Boris Badenov. You know how oh, we boy. get
3: mad when British actors come over and take some of our – do you think Russian actors get mad when they see American actors come in or Canadian actors come in and do their, their accents? No. No? You don't <laughs> Maybe. We have more They're important things to on the worry accent, about. At least that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> There's other things to worry about. Uh, no, you get, uh, you get her coming back. You mentioned about her going back home. She says it. We have to go back when they all get reunited. That table scene, which is very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, you know they're going back to where it all started in russia we see the shot of the super soldiers training that kind of stuff has shades of red sparrow which we saw already even has shades of hannah if you've watched that amazon mm-hmm. series near the end of hannah when we discover that there's been other super soldiers that they've been training to become assassins themselves um so is this going to feel like uh, already i don't know well-trod territory i guess are you worried or concerned about that at all I'm not. It, okay. I'm not. Look,
4: like we've had twenty-something James Bond movies, right? Like it's always something sure. where James Bond goes on a on a mission and and has to save the world. Like at some point, they all start to feel pretty similar. So I'm not really worried about that because I think any storyline can be redone if it's executed well. Yeah. And you know, Marvel's got enough of a track record that I'm absolutely willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's interesting because a lot of the chatter around it has been about you know, is it too late to have a black widow. Yeah, yeah. Most of us wanted this you know, five, six, seven years ago. Um, but what's interesting to me is, again, the teaser started off with that quote about family, and that's from Endgame. And so knowing where she ends up in Endgame and using that to look back on this idea of family and what it meant to her, what happened to her in her past, actually might enhance this story Mm -hmm. in a way that could make it, you know, uh, give them a little bit of a pass for
3: waiting so long to bring it to us now. Yeah, we've been been able to get the background on just about all the other characters, right, right, through exposition, conversation, what have you. But with Natasha, it's always hinted in conversations just slightly with Hawkeye or with Hulk Mm -hmm. or with... Even with uh, uh, um, uh, Samuel Jackson's character, with a uh, right Nick Fury, Nick <laughs> Fury, right? Jesus, I, I won't win the Schmodale. I Schmoda. just <laughs> like that kind of stuff. You just give up at the end, <laughs> yeah, right? <like> I did. <laughs> yeah, fair, <laughs> uh, but you see that, and you go, okay, well, we're, now we get a little more fleshed out. And this could, in a way, like you've been saying, Rachel, six seven years ago, we wanted this could, in a way, redeem her even more so in our eyes mm-hmm. in terms of putting mo- moving her up the echelon of because people have always been saying like, well, what was the point of her because she's just she just shoots guns or whatever, but there should be more here, and so you want to discover more about her desire to lead, which is, which we see in in, 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 in uh, Endgame.
4: Yeah, and I'm hoping that they can thread the needle here because we know that, you know, between making a good story that that kind of fleshes out Natasha's character. Yeah. you know, we already know the closure. We already know that that character doesn't last past Endgame, and then sets up Florence Pugh to take over that role. Like, that, yeah. I, I'm convinced that has to be what's happening. Right. That's why you would put. Elena, in there.
3: Yeah. You know, just from a business standpoint. I believe that last week. She's younger. Yeah. She, right. oh, I mean, Scarlett's done her time in the role mm-hmm. and taken the hits for it. So why not?
1: And we need to start looking forward now. Yeah. Endgame was the culmination. And, you know, um, Far From Home, thread the line a little bit about the aftermath and what that does to, to right, Peter right. And, and the legacy of Iron Man and everything else. But we need to start, you know, we need to pivot and look what happens next. So we're looking back one more time with this movie, but I think that aspect of Yelena will help propel to what happens next with with the next iteration of the Avengers yeah. and the next characters and everything.
3: Well, we talk about the white... After we mm-hmm. should touch on that everyone's like posting that gif already it's yeah. all over uh, twitter and everything uh it debuted in limited series black widow deadly origin in 2010 uh and uh we saw all of that happening because she was using it to blend in she was going back to russia to blend in that kind of stuff uh but in deadly origin she also deals with um uh sebastian stan's character with the winter soldier so could we have because i mean she has appeared in captain america movies could we have the reverse here where sebastian stan as the winter soldier appears in here are they hiding that from us in this movie would you want to see that
1: I wouldn't mind an extra cameo or something like that. Mm-hmm. We know Tony's going to be in it in some way, shape, or form, which was there was no sign of that in the trailer, and we right. got Ross. So, you know, one other connection um, for the comic fans, but also for the fans of the MCU, and again, maybe looking ahead.
4: Yeah. yeah. Right. There's some news that we might see Downey in this, too. Yes. yes. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, it, part of the problem, I mean, this is where you get to, it's hard to keep secrets, right? Because there's such mm-hmm. a cottage industry in, in reporting on development news and production news that it would be hard to really keep under wraps that Sebastian Stan is shooting for this. Now, that's not to say it can't be done, right? If they're really, really sharp, they would use a couple of days that they're shooting on Falcon and Winter Soldier to shoot scenes, right? That's the way you get around it. Um, So, if it's going to be a secret, they could do that. Mm -hmm. But I think that that would be tough to pull off.
3: Okay. Now, what about this connection between Ross and the Hulk? Mm -hmm. And... The Hulk and Black Widow is and is that going to be is that just a forgotten storyline that we don't touch on?
1: It seemed like there was that really really tiny nod to it Infinity War and yeah. then everybody just moved right past it. So. Mean,
4: <laughs> you know although maybe you know there's a chance that and you know pie in the sky if this movie does spectacularly well which it yeah. probably will you could actually maybe get two different directions for Black Widow sequels you could get one where it's Florence Pugh taking on the mantle yeah. and you know appearing in f- more Avengers movies, but I would pay good money to watch the black widow Hulk rom-com.
3: Yeah. You like (laughs) that? Like, absolutely. Well, I mean, if it's happening after civil war, their relationship is still somewhat alive. So, uh, that could be something to play with as well. Uh, the other thing that occurred to me is, I was, as I was, it could be that that's the reason why she sacrificed herself in Endgame because she knows that Yelena has taken over as Black Widow, so that will st- Black Widow will still be around to do the things right. that mm-hmm. needs to get done. So it yeah. helped her make the sacrifice even more so.
4: Not to belabor the point of my joke, but yeah. I'm keep thinking about how we saw that primarily Natasha had that post hypnotic suggestion she could do the yeah, yeah, Hulk, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And you know she's got secrets, sure. so what other suggestions does he, she have for Bruce Banner? Right, right, like all right, it's getting dark. You need to go to the store. Like what other kind of stuff could she pull on banner? Right? Like that could be hilarious. She's
3: like Ray. And then Poe Dameron like, wait, did she do that to us? What's hey. happening? Here? Um, <clears throat> one last thing I want to talk about. And, and that is the deleted scene that occurred, that it was dropped about a couple of days ago from infinity war, where Dr. Strange was using the astral plane to communicate with Spider-Man and Mantis and Mantis brought back the guardians of galaxy to life after they had or, or died almost at the hands of uh, Thanos. And so she brought back, uh, 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 oh, geez, she brought back uh, Star Lord, she brought back Drax. Uh, Drax, and she brought back uh, um, uh, uh, Nebula. So, so you get this idea, and if Mantis is tied to the Soul Stone, then do we start to, is this released right before Black Widow? Is this to give us the idea that possibly in the future she will go retrieve the original Black Widow from the Soul Stone, from that area, and then from Vormia, and then like, now we've got two Black Widows and some kind of reunion down the road for a sequel. Wow. Maybe. I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, Tinfoil look, hat. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know. Right, you know. I mean, it's what you nerds know. do best. Yeah. And the
4: thing is, it's, it's, you know, we all know, like, nobody ever stays dead in the comics. Right. right? Yeah. There's three people that stay dead, right? Uncle Ben. Yes. And Bruce Wayne's parents, <laughs> right? And the reason they have to stay dead is because their deaths That's are part of forming those characters, right? Wow. So... You could bring Iron Man back, you could bring anybody back, right? And, you know, crazier stuff has happened in the comics.
3: If you can go back in time, which you've already proven you can do, then right. anything mm-hmm. is possible at that point. You know, Captain America has his own damn life uh, <laughs> and in two separate timelines, yep. anything's possible. Anyway, all right, well, this was great. That was a, I thought it was a fantastic teaser trailer. I think gets me excited for what I wanted to see. And it's got a different flavor than we've seen before. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are humors. The MCU MCU's gonna, always going to have those okay. jokes. But this feels a little more grittier, a little more Jason Bourne-ish, which I think is exciting. And that's what you want from something like this. And Scarlett gets a chance to finally like, take center stage in the MCU as Black Widow. So I look forward to it and seeing more from it. All right, let's move on to a movie that is about to come out. That is Richard Jewell. It's directed by Clint Eastwood. In the film, Olivia Wilde plays real-life journalist Kathy Scruggs. And there's been a lot of um, contentious comments about her portrayal of the journalist in the movie because uh, it's, it's shown that she or implies that she trades... Uh, sexual favors for some information about who the FBI is pursuing. And so a lot of people are pushing back saying that's unfair to this journalist because she passed away at a young age. She can't, she's not here to defend herself. But Olivia Wilde had some comments uh, when she talked about this and heard about the backlash on her portrayal of the character. She said, I think people have a hard time accepting sexuality in female characters without al- allowing it to entirely define that character. Let's take a look at that quote. We don't do that to men. We don't do that to James Bond. We don't say James Bond isn't a real spy because he gets his information sometimes by sleeping with women as sources. This is very specific to female characters. We've seen it over and over again, and I think that Kathy Scruggs is an incredibly dynamic, nuanced, dogged, intrepid reporter... By no means was I intending to suggest that as a female reporter, she needed to use her sexuality. I come from a long line of journalists. My mom's been a journalist for 35 years. There's no way I would want to suggest that. She goes on to say, I do think it's interesting that when audiences recognize sexuality within a character, they immediately, when it's a woman, allow it to define her. And I think we should stop doing that and and allow for nuance. It's sort of a misunderstanding of feminism to expect women to become pious and sexless. uh, sexless. Rachel, you hear these comments, you hear these quotes... You're the lady on this panel. Please tell, <laughs> give us some insight into her thought process here.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty complicated, and I have to preface this by saying that I haven't seen Richard Jewell, yeah, yeah. so I unfortunately can't comment on the the portrayal specifically. Um, but her point is less specific about I think this character, and more about generally speaking, we have so many male characters, and it's not even just about James Bond or. Journalists or reporters, but the antihero, the the flawed character, the characters that are not defined by just doing one specific thing, yeah. and it's incredibly unfortunate that that the double standard exists. That when a, a woman uses sex for something, everybody focuses in on that, ignoring everything else. And I think that's Wild's point. Mm-hmm. This woman was a three dimensional woman. She was a real person. Whether this happened in real life or not, this is a fictionalized version. It's stop paying attention to the specific and start looking at the whole picture, the whole character yeah. and everything about it. I mean, if you want to talk about specific journalists in, in movies and things like that, look at movies like Nightcrawler or Shattered Glass. Those men did horrible things yes. in the name of journalism, immoral, uh, questionable, all of this stuff. And whether you put sleeping with somebody to get information in the same category, we didn't demonize those characters, so why are we demonizing her? That's a her? great point, because
3: Jake Gyllenhaal... Basically blackmails Rene Russo into bed yeah. so that he can keep going. So, but we're but everyone's like, oh, I love his portrayal in this film. Yeah. No one's going, oh, this is so unfair to treat this person. And I, because this is a real person, I get people are banging their swords. But unless you really knew this person and really studied up on this person, having all nods about this person, that I take your complaints a little bit. Um, I feel that they're a little bit baseless. What, what do you feel?
4: Uh, you know, it, it's a. T- I mean, again, like I haven't seen the film either, right? It's not in theaters yet. They're, sc- they're not really screening it for critics till next week. I believe mm-hmm. um, it's, I-, I totally agree with her defense. Yeah. I absolutely agree with all of you. I mean, look like her point about James Bond is spot on. The entire plot of from Russia with love is bond romancing and seducing this woman to get this enigma machine, yep. right? Or something similar to that. Um, and if you were even today if you were to do that with a female spy character people right. would lose their minds right women in you know a lot of female characters in Hollywood are still treated as if they're supposed to be some level of purity I remember do you remember the movie This Means War in oh, yeah. 2012 oh, yeah. right yeah. Like, in the third act of that film towards the end the movie starts to make you think like oh Reese Witherspoon's character might have slept with both these guys mm. and I remember in the movie thinking Man, that's a bold move that mm-hmm. they're going to let that happen, and they they pull the teeth of that story, and then it turns out she didn't actually sleep with the other one, yeah. um, which I was bummed out about because yeah, I would have thought like that would be cool to have a woman because a guy in that same nobody would position, blink. Twice. Nobody would blink, right? Right. Right. Um, the flip side, though, the other issue is less about whether or not there's a kind of call it a puritanical attitude about what Scruggs may or may not have done, so much as. <laughs> How's it being portrayed in the film? Yeah, right. right? That's, and that's what I'm concerned about. Is by all accounts so far that I've read from early reviews is that the film is very much you know kind of trying to take down and and Eastwood's point is that the FBI and the press, everybody really screwed up here. And I'm a little concerned that the idea that Scruggs might sleep with this FBI agent to you know, or it's it's hinted at. Yeah. If that's portrayed as a negative. That's, that, would be, that would be worrisome.
3: I'll say this. I've seen the movie. I saw it on a screening last week. I'm go- I might go again tonight because I have to do the junket tomorrow. But I don't think, and I, I was shocked. I, I remember my, my friend uh, uh, Jimmy Filbright, came up and spoke to me about it. He said he didn't like that portrayal, and I personally found it to be in the natural course of things. It was one of her tools I, 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 and it there was an an interest between both of them. This wasn't her seducing him, this was both of them flirting, and then the moment happens, right, but she gets it, but you know you He looks more terrible than she does for revealing a secret to her before they even have sex so mm-hmm. this this I find but this but Roka you know what that's like Yeah, you do all, right, all yeah, the time yeah, Come you know, of course it. I fall for it every single time <laughs> uh, I'm a fool like that what can I tell you but I to me it's, it's such a small part in my opinion of what she does in the film that I think people are using it and this is my personal opinion and I, I would love to hear what you two think I think people are using it as an axe to grind on Clint because they're starting to see this film as a right wing film because he goes after the FBI which is currently in the news now he goes after the press the media the fake news And he almost turns Richard Jewell, you could argue, into a Trumpian character being unfairly maligned. Now, did he intend to do that? I don't know. But I'm hearing from a number of critics, liberal critics, who are feeling that that is what's happening here, much like they did with Ramble Last Blood. And I'm like, well, if you're going out with that mindset already, then how is the film going to win? But Clint gave us the Herbert Hoover movie, right? J. Edgar Hoover. J. Edgar Edgar Hoover. I would have seen his Herbert Hoover movie.
4: He gave us the J. Edgar Edgar Hoover movie, right? So he's at least consistent in pointing fingers at the FBI. And there's there's a long history of liberal films. You know, films made with a liberal slant, with a very left wing slant, pointing fingers at the FBI. Yeah. So I, I don't it's it's tough to say. I mean, look, like we look back on what happened to Richard Jewell, and it's hard to argue that Clint's wrong. right? No, he's and, not wrong. Right. I lived through right. it. I remember. Yeah, you remember I remember it. that yeah. too. Like yeah. I'm old enough to remember that yep. too. And you know, yes, you could maybe question the timing of that right now, but yeah. whatever. Like, it, it's it's fine, right? Everybody screwed up in that situation. Yes, like everybody was wrong. And if if you're trying to cast stones that the timing of this might affect an upcoming election.
3: Oh well, Well, And that's what I worry about, is if if certain films are being unfairly maligned, I don't know what you think about this, Rachel, um, because they have a certain political bent to them, or people are instilling what they think the creator, because the creator might be an outspoken conservative or right-wing person, is pushing uh, through their movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's always an issue when you have a a filmmaker like an Eastwood who has been pinpointed in the past as yep. doing that in his films and not being particularly great to his female characters in his films and all of these things are inevitably in your mind when you walk into a movie but it's our job to take that away and mm. take in the movie as it is and you know you can bring your your Experiences to the table as well, but like don 't go searching for things yeah. to to fit this story you 've told yourself before you even see the movie yeah. and you know to bring it back to wilde 's point too it's i 'm really glad to hear you say that because my fear is I am a little nervous about a Clint Eastwood movie taking on a a, a, f- a female character role like this <laughs> and reducing it to that aspect of her yeah. If that 's all she was doing then some of this criticism is valid in the general sense of filmmakers and storytellers stop, you know, pigeonholing women in these specific ways. Exactly. But and if it's not, if, yeah. and, and, and I trust your opinion, like, the, and, and what she's saying is she's saying the same thing. This is a fully fleshed out character mm-hmm. there. She's got many attributes that have to do with her being a journalism and her being a woman and her being a human being. Yeah. And they're all wrapped up into
3: this. So stop fixating on this one thing. There's so much more to her because she does not play by the rules. And yeah. you see it in the movie. Some of the other women in the press uh, don't like her because of how... Uh, uh, flamboyant she is but that happens with men and women right. so it's like this idea of, of a vilifying one because it's so she's so open with her sexuality or her flirtation or her her presence or her strength or her energy as a woman i find that to be to be upset about it. i find that to be reverse uh sexism as opposed to overt in my opinion
4: yeah you know the other thing i think about with a film like this is you know the the current editor in chief of the Atlanta journal constitution right. yeah. where Scruggs worked to says that there's no evidence that anything like that. Yeah, happened, Kevin Wright. Yep. Okay. But you know, a little bit of me is, is thinking, look, if you go into any movie, that's not a documentary and even a documentary thinking you're <laughs> going to get truth. God help you. Right. I mean, you're going to get that's broad strokes point. and, and the theme and an idea. Right. Yeah. But at some point creative license happened. I mean, i loved Ford versus Ferrari as much as anybody. Yeah. And, the things that happen in that movie that are not factual are crazy making. If you're really into that history over and above things like just how the cars are driven. Um, But it gets this, it gets the emotion of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what Clint is doing as a filmmaker with every film that he does. And you know, I I will say that not having seen this movie, but just knowing him as a director, he's going for emotional storytelling. And so if that means that some things get, you know, if creative license has t- been taken, that's fine. Yeah. And again, you know, back to Olivia Wilde's point, like, OK, if they make the decision that Scruggs, you know, may or may not have been flirting, you know, or, or sleeping with a guy to get information. You know what? The filmmaker gets to do that. Right. Right. And and we can complain about it if it's valid and if it's not. OK, but I think, you know, ultimately, she's got a really good point. And I go back to, you know, exactly what she said. James Bond gets to do that all the time. You yes. see characters get to do that, you know, male characters do that left and right, and nobody cares.
3: Right, right, absolutely. And that's the thing, and then I'm going to knock on the door of, of everyone who might be, a, welcome to the real world. People use whatever they got to do to get to wherever they want to get to. That's why I think what unsettles people most is mm-hmm. seeing people who do that because they either don't have the gumption to do that or have a moral issue about it. But in the end, people are going to do what they got to do to get to where they want to get to.
4: And if male or, male female. or female? Yes, right, that's absolutely. What we're, male we're or female? This down right. And if to. consenting absolutely. adults to if consenting adults want to do that, yep. okay, right. Right. right, 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 yeah, right. Now it might, you know, look like to be clear, we're not talking about like the power imbalance issues that might happen in, say, right. you know, the, with the Weinstein's of the world. That's a whole different thing, exactly. Right, and and the way people will offer sex to people with less power. But at this point, Scruggs. And the FBI agent played by John Hamm, like not one of them necessarily has. It's it's not about that power dynamic, right? right. That would be a different story. But but yeah. this one, it, you know, I think it's it's two consenting adults. Who cares? Yeah.
3: And there is a journey for her. There is an arc for her. He puts an arc in that mm-hmm. movie for her. So there's a lot to explore with that character. To reduce it to one situation, I think is very. Um, I don't know. In my opinion, offensive. I think it's reductive to her, and there was more. And Olivia Wilde, this is a woman who directed Booksmart. She is not going to play a character that is like undercutting women. It's not in. It's not in her mentality, and in her nature as a strong feminist. In my opinion, I don't think that would work overall. So we'll see. You all, we all have to see the film, decide for yourself. I loved it. I think it's one of the best pictures of the top ten. Films of the Year, and I think it's his best work since uh, uh, Letters from Iwo Jima, in my opinion. I think it's his best work since then, but (laughs) we'll see what you all think. All right, let's move on to some promos here. Koi and
0: Amy, they're going to talk about heroes. I think it's just Koi. Let's take a look at that video now. Hi, I'm Koi Jandro, host of Collider Heroes, and I'm here to tell you we've got 20-minute episodes coming at you on Collider Video, on the YouTube, as you've always loved it. Plus, now we've got hour-long podcast dropping every Thursday, so make sure to subscribe to the podcast because it's going to get even more sweaty on the podcast. Plus, every week we're going to try to get some very special guest interviews, all of the people that help shape these movies and TV shows you love. So, video, podcast, interviews all coming at you. Be sure to subscribe. Thanks so much, guys. Stay sweaty.
3: That's heroes it's coming up later on today a very proud to produce that show with Amy and with Coy, their great hosts. And Dorian Park stops by for this episode later on at 5 p.m. I pushed him onto the set. You know how Dorian is about being on camera. Uh, but let's move on. Also, the FYC stuff. Let's say Last night, we had a fantastic screening of Knives Out. We got another FYC screening tonight. That is of The Joker. That's right. Uh, it's 7.30 p.m. over there at the Arclight Cinemas. There are still tickets. You get a Q&A with the director of photography, Lawrence Sure. He's fantastic. This is a great movie. I loved it. Uh, why not go and a little Q to find out how he did all the cinematography for this film as well, and then we got another one coming up later on this week. That is Rocket Man, one of my favorite films of the year. That is Saturday, December seventh. At 7 p.m. at the ArcLight Cinemas, get a Q&A with Taron Egerton, Jamie Bell, and Dexter Fletcher, the director of the film. If some of you may know him from uh, Lock Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, yeah, he's the chef with all the knives. That's right, he's so good. The soup, yeah, it's in the soup. I love that guy. Uh, All right, let's move on to our last uh, uh, story, and that's from M. Night Shyamalan, our own Steve Weintraub. That's right, Frosty Weintraub. He interviewed Shyamalan about his latest project, that's Apple TV's new series, Servant. I hope you've seen the trailer. Little creepy baby up in this trailer, Uh, but. he asked about uh, Shyamalan's upcoming projects and this is what he had to say.
0: I have all these ideas and they're in journals sometimes and they're, they don't quite have the meat yet. To, so they haven't – whatever that thing is, that ineffable thing that makes it I'm ready to commit two years of my life to making this, writing and directing this and then promoting it. it some of those ideas don't have those yet. They just have to gestate a little bit. But there were two that, I, that, that I've been thinking about that I was right away – these are these two I'm going to make. And interestingly enough, there might be a third, a third thing that came to me that might end up going in between these two. So wait, what? So there might be th- there might be three. I'm loving this approach uh, from the visit on, which is minimal, contained. Um, I own them. We take big risks, uh, tonal risks, and we we go, try to hit that note of. Absurd but grounded—that that 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 dark humor uh, moment—and deal with some complicated things, and not necessarily take the audience where they're comfortable. When I think about these three films that I'm thinking about, they're all weird and dark, and and I think that they all speak to each other a little bit. So hopefully, Servant will make you go, "Oh wow, I yeah, right." There was a formalism to. Uh, Betty Buckley's character and where she worked in Split. Oh, wow, I see all these common threads that are coming in underneath the piece. So hopefully they, they, they're they good to each other, brothers and sisters.
3: That is a lot to digest. The man is very wordy, obviously incredibly intelligent, lays it all out for you. But what the gist of this thing is, is the next few films are going to be weird and dark. He almost sounds, dare I say it, Matt, actually like a veteran of the business an old sage now all of a sudden when
4: has Shyamalan not made movies that were weird and dark (laughs) that's a fair point point. that shouldn't be a surprise you know I like that he's kind of going back to basics right his first couple of films are amazing right he's got some great films early on in his career Uh, I love The Sixth Sense love Unbreakable but you know it things start to get, like you start to see the seams fall apart. You know, things fall apart in signs, so, right. you know, signs is one in, of the those ones, in the village, oh, in the village. Don't yeah. you? Right. But signs, you start thinking, the more you start thinking about it, the more you're like, wait a minute, to, why would they, they knew the whole planet was covered with water. Come on. <laughs> uh, but then, you know, he kind of redeems himself with the visit. And, and, you know, Shyamalan's one of those people that, you know, you can look at almost like an object lesson at, at, in that their best work is when they're hungry. Right? They're, when, they're, when they're hungry and working hard yeah. and really trying to prove themselves, they're going to do great work. And my concern with him is the minute, and we saw this previously, like the minute he gets on top, you know, you yeah. get stuff like Lady in the Water which right. is shocking in what it says about him as as a writer and how he sees himself. Like, he casts himself as the writer yeah. who's misunderstood in his own time, but after he passes on, is going to have world-changing effects, right? And and totally kind of... T- I mean, that's bonkers, yeah. right? Like, we can all agree that that's kind <laughs> of insane. Yeah. And I'm shocked that no one said to him, like,
3: dude, what are you doing? Oh, right? I'm sure like, that someone... I'm sure most of them thought right. about saying it, but they're like, they want to keep their jobs. He's on the but, top of the but world then you get these, point. You
4: know, you get you get you know or what's the one about the elevator that he produced yeah um, devil devil yeah, right yeah, yeah. like that's that's a crazy idea but he makes it work and i think when he's got these smaller ideas yeah. and and smaller time periods and yes we can talk about his current tv show having a lot more time but he's still required to sit into a format yeah. of a television show and so i think that if he's doing these movies that are smaller and he can keep them you know close to like you know say 100 minutes right and keep them short yeah I think that that's gonna, I, I think that's his sweet spot. I think he can do some really interesting stuff, but if he gets bombastic again, he's gonna lose everybody again.
3: I, li- I like it to, uh, I liken it to Ben Hur when he's seeing the chariots and the horses and they're kind of all over the place, he goes, no, no, you got to move that wild one out into the middle because then it'll contain itself, but it'll drive everyone else. Sometimes you have to be in a little bit more of a of a box to do your best work. And maybe Shyamalan, as you said, was feeling himself way out here in Lady in the Water and all this kind of stuff. People weren't coming to his movies anymore. That last anderbender really crashed. And then to the point when they released Devil, they didn't put his name on it at all because they wanted people to, to go to the theater and not avoid it. So maybe now he understands with glass, uh, with split, this is where he belongs. To visit the smaller box, do you do you think that's a good thing for him?
1: Yeah, it's it's the classic reality check. Yeah. You know, it, we all need them sometimes. Um, <laughs> and the thing with Shyamalan is, he's an artist. He's a passionate artistic, expressive person. And I love the stuff that he's talking about. Like he's always got these ideas gestating and he's writing them in a journal and how far are they along. And I would say that at the core of every movie he's done is a great idea or ideas. It's just execution and and the bombastic nature of how they got. And they just got too big and too unwieldy. And you know, it it got him to a point where everybody had to say, stop, back up and eventually that's where we got the visit and everybody went see that like the talent was never not there yeah. it's just like you said the box and the situation and i like that he's it feels like he, he's recognized mm-hmm. that and now he's keeping the ideas coming and he's and he's thinking about them and letting them gestate and trying to figure out you know the best kind of box to make them within yeah. um, and the I think the awareness of that is key for him right now
3: I think all of us are self aware people understand like when you're younger you can feel yourself really powerfully yeah. and then you get to that point things start to get taken away from you or you fail a couple of times then you have to do some self analysis if you want to survive and once you do that self analysis or you stop repeating the same patterns then you all of a sudden become wise and so it seems to me that he understands where he works his be- where he does his best work especially speaking doesn't mean that occasionally he can't flare up and do a little higher budget thing but then come right back down to where he, he is comfortable and he understands that about himself the ego is what got him there mm-hmm. it's the intelligence and the self-awareness that will keep someone there because once you win our hearts as a film going public i feel like we always reserve the possibility of you coming back we we'll love long- have a comeback story right, we love a comeback <laughs> story as long as you've not done anything too egregious i think we always reserve a spot i mean look at gibson even more egregious mm-hmm. but we always find a way overall to welcome people back in
4: yeah you know i i always think about look like He's going to make two more movies. I hope they're good. Yeah. Right? And me I don't too. mean that I don't mean that to be glib. Like a, as somebody who who has the luxury of watching movies for a living, I want every movie to be good. Yeah. I absolutely do. I don't I don't carry a chip on my shoulder about any I mean, look, there may be people that I don't particularly care for and some movies I might not see anymore. Uh, but for the most part, you know, somebody like Shyamalan like okay, he did a couple of dogs and his and his ego clearly got the best of him, but mm-hmm. he's Shown that he is still capable of good work, yes, right, and so I'll, you know, I'll give him another shot. Absolutely, like I didn't think Glass was terrific, right, but Split was awesome, yeah, right, came out of nowhere. That was a great movie, uh, and so he still got it in him, and I want to see that, right? Some mm-hmm. some filmmakers can go a long time without having that kind of mess in, you know, can just keep going up, but everybody's, you know, almost. Almost, I mean, Spielberg. Spielberg's got some messy movies. Sure. Mm -hmm. So does Eastwood, who we just mentioned. So does Eastwood, right? A bunch of iconic filmmakers have had dogs of films, right? But, you know, can he come back? I mean, look, part you know, we're talking about what the press does to Richard Jewell. I mean, Shyamalan was on the cover of Time with the headline asking if he was going to be the next Spielberg. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Like... Talk about prematurely. Yeah, talk about people. premature, right? And and you know maybe the press is somewhat you know or at least Time Magazine was somewhat complicit yeah. in giving him that inflated ego that made him go off the rails. Yeah. But you know we live in a different era now, and like you said, the. the business taught him otherwise people stopped going to see his movies and so he had to pivot and start doing stuff that people wanted to see again yeah. and
3: it's worked so far I also think he's lucky too because we've kind of moved away from the superstar cinema and now we're into the director cinema nowadays kind of back to the 70s if a, yeah. if a person directs it I'm going to go see it right Tarantino anything he directs people go see Scorsese go see um, now we've got Shyamalan coming back and so people are like, oh, is Shyamalan, oh, the last two films have been good. Now I'm going to give him a chance. I'm going to go see these films. I'm going to watch these films. So it works in his favor you know, yeah, to understand where he does best, where he does his best work. I, I'm happy about it.
1: And I also feel like there's a resurgence in horror film in general Absolutely. going on right now. Yep. And he, I think, Split played into that definitely. And then you have the get-outs and and everything that Ari Aster is doing and, and yeah. everything. So, like, if he's recognized the playing field as well, and he's talking about, you know, all weird and dark and, and tricking himself into doing something dangerous and giving the audience what they want, but then twisting it. And all sorts like, these are what these movies are doing right now. Yeah. And, you know, and he's absolutely a voice in doing that. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a positive. And, yep.
4: and I think, you know, we've, we hear about these resurgences of horror, you know, every, you know, seven or eight years. And I think part of it is that you've got filmmakers, especially up and coming filmmakers who realize... It's still kind of the Wild West with storytelling mm-hmm. and horror movies and thrillers, right? Uh, but especially horror movies. You you don't have studios looking over your shoulder, right? It's not like you're a director that gets brought in to work on a Marvel film for yeah. Kevin Feige. And you're going to have a certain amount, you know, for better or for worse, there's going to be guardrails, right? But with a horror movie, you can kind of do – I mean, look at Ari Aster. Mm-hmm. Aster yeah. would never be able to do what he does – in a regular mainstream studio movie yet, right? He'd right. have to prove himself. He can't, you know, he wouldn't be able to, to do that in a with a hundred million dollar budget. I, nobody would trust him. Yeah. Right? And and audiences probably wouldn't stand for it either. Yep. So I think you can really make your bones with horror movies and and show that you've got something to say and show off a unique style that then earns you the shot to do something bigger. And I think Shamelin's learned that he needs to go back there, go back to his basics, go back to his fundamentals and remind everybody what he's able to do
3: really well. Yeah. Because executives change over all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they may be willing to give him a chance at some like a superhero film down the road, or a, or a, a larger film, maybe even a Star Trek film, or God forbid a Star Wars film, a Star Wars horror film. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Everything could be in play at this point. So it's just, it's like oh, once he earns back the trust, then it's like okay, you want to hand the keys to a bigger car at that point and see what you can get out of him. That's certainly possible because so many great up and coming directors from horror jump over into these uh, larger franchise films with with uh, middling success, but still they get the opportunity. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. So we'll We'll see uh, overall. All right, let's jump into some chat questions from you all to end the show here. We've got a few minutes left in the show. Uh, MK Somberg says Am I the only one who got Winter Soldier vibes from the music used in the Black Widow trailer? Industrial synthesque. Motif reminds me of the Winter Soldier theme. You mentioned that when we were walking in, Matt.
4: Yeah, I wasn't wild about the score in that, okay. but, but he's absolutely right. That absolutely does make me think of Winter Soldier, kind of that like panicked. It almost sounds like an alarm bell, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's, you could be on the Enterprise and that's the alarm, right? <laughs> I, and that's, you know, the Winter Soldier music feels like that and the, you know, maybe that's the new music we get, or not new, but maybe that's going to be the musical motif that we get from Marvel whenever someone Russian and dangerous comes along.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, it did, like, it's not exact, but it did make me feel like this is a little more international. Like That's Mm. what it made me feel, and I know that also was the look of it and the fact that we have the accents and everything else, but The Winter Soldier always had an international feel to it. And again, bringing it back to Civil War, the way that that movie traveled around Europe and Russia, and I think this one looks like it might do the same thing, so just having that kind of Feel to it in that sort of action packed spy, alarming kind of music. Yeah. Just uh, it all sort of worked together for me in that way.
3: They, they love the boongs ever since Inception, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, 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 Thank you, Anna- Hans Zimmer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Annihilation did that too with the uh, shimmer. Mm-hmm. I love Look Hans the- Zimmer.
4: He's like, I'm going to just do one note. <laughs> yeah. Right? You got mad at me for two, mo- two notes for Batman? Yeah. Watch this. Here's
3: one. <laughs> Pay attention. Uh, all right. Scott, oh, was it Riley Jacks uh, at Riley Jack asks If you could see Scar Joe's uh, Black Widow crossover with another assassin type character from another universe, who would you pick? I love Charlize in Atomic Blonde or uh, Jennifer, Jennifer, uh, J. Law in Red Sparrow. What do you all think?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, recent female. Spies, oh uh, Jennifer Garner and Peppermint. <laughs> oh come on!
4: No, you know I am glad that they brought up Atomic Blonde because you know, although that's based on a comic anyway, yeah. Yeah. Um, that does feel like what a what a Black Widow movie set in the eighties could be like. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. right. Um, you know, you know, if it's any assassin, love to see her tangle with John Wick. That would be a throwdown. Yeah. Right. That would, ab- especially with his Russian connections. Right, 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 right. There's a world in which the Baba Yaga knows Black Widow. <laughs> of course. Right. <laughs> oh,
3: I think I'm thinking she's back. Uh, I, I'd be down to see her crossover with Daniel Craig's James Bond and then have him try to seduce her and they're like but nah that ain't gonna happen said. and have them have a little go on a mission together because obviously she's played both sides of the fence in the mm-hmm. comics so why wouldn't she be one on one side of the fence when she goes after James Bond and then like they find a way to come back together as a team going against the main villain that would be fun to see Craig's Bond not anyone else's Bond Craig's Bond I think that's more the vibe of uh, Scar Joe and her Black Widow uh, alright Jay Scott Friel wants to know which two actors would you like to see play family members in a holiday film I'd like to see Pedro Pascal and diego luna play brothers
1: i'll just watch pedro pascal do anything <laughs> oh man um nothing nothing oh, man these on the spot ones are difficult you know it,
4: it, it, i think they're too old now but there was a time that i would have that i would have thought that if you were to cast harrison ford and daniel uh quaid oh uh, dennis quaid dennis quaid yeah. sorry dennis quaid and harrison ford when they smile, they have the exact same smile and I would have bought that they were brothers. Yeah. So I would see that, you know, and maybe like now as the crotchety old man, you know, like Scrooge and his brother, yeah. Scrooge brothers.
3: There we go. I like it. (laughs) I've got a rain man sequel. You bring back Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise Mm -hmm. And it's the sequel to Rain Man, and it's a Christmas get-together with all of them, and figuring out. He has to steal him away one last time to have Christmas dinner with him, or okay. something like that. I don't know. What do you
1: think? You can put whoever you want with him, but I want to see Daniel Craig in a holiday movie, because you just put <laughs> the Bond thing in my head, and I saw Knives Out, and he's having a lot of fun there. Yeah. Um, and if you ever saw Logan Lucky, like, when he lets go and he smiles in a movie, it's so crazy, because you're just like, wait, no, you're Bond, and and you just, it, it's so different for him so yeah. so put him in a crazy you know Christmas caper and that'll make me happy
3: I'm down with that
4: yeah I, you know put him give it a movie where he's you know, he's playing that same detective and he guesses what all the presents are. Benoit yeah. Blanc. <laughs>
3: right. I love it. I want Mar- Mar- Margot Robbie and Jamie Presley who literally look like each other, put them together as sisters. Oh yeah. That right? would be fine. Some yeah. kind of Hallmark Christmas movie. Maybe if Margot wants to do one. Why not? Hallmark Christmas movies are fun. Sure, I love Ro- she Watson can do listings. anything. It's That's fine. true. Very true. Uh, let's see what we got. On, oh, Riley Jack also wants to know with Aquafina winning best actress at the Goth- oh, yeah. Gotham awards. Do you think she now has a good shot at an Oscar nomination or win?
1: I think a win would be tough, but this what the Gotham Awards does is being first out of the gate is yeah. is helps put people on the map and who the critics are talking about and who the, the voters are talking about and whatnot. And the farewell came out a while ago, but I mean, I don't know a single person that saw it and didn't absolutely love it. Yeah. Myself included. I, I mean, it's and it's so unexpected for her, and I feel like this year has a, a pretty decent international vibe with a lot of the top contenders between Parasite and The Farewell, mm-hmm. Pain and Glory. Um, so it it would be exciting to me that this could give her the push towards a nomination. I think it's a stacked race. Best Actress is going to be tough this year. Yeah, but um, but I really would love to see her get that. Nom. Yeah,
4: I, I could see her sneaking in for a nomination, but a lot of it is. You know, look, like you start to fall into the cliches of Oscar predictions, right? And Mm -hmm. and so much of it is judging, you know, A, like how the academy as a body is kind of feeling about things. And so you have to consider, like, The Farewell came out a while ago. Mm -hmm. You know, do they have the campaign? Is Netflix going to be focused on that as a campaign versus Marriage Story? Marriage Story and The Irishman, right? So Netflix has got a full plate of stuff that they're going to be out pushing. And so does that movie that came out a few months ago. Fit that bill, maybe. I mean, Netflix. You know, Netflix does have stupid money to spend, but at some point, you start muddying the waters with the messaging you're trying to get out. And yeah. I suspect that they're probably going to be pushing more for ScarJo to get that nomination and win than Aquafina, um, which is unfortunate because I think Aquafina is terrific, yeah. and you know it, it, that would be great to see. But you know, like you said, it's going to be a really crowded field this year.
3: I think. I think it seems like Renee Zellweger is the odds-on favorite. But we haven't heard. We haven't heard much. There hasn't been much buzz. She hasn't done a lot of interviews about it. Blah blah blah.
1: It's another one that also came out two months ago. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. So you wonder, but like, yeah. you never know. You never know with the Oscars. It's always crazy. It's always interesting mm-hmm. how uh, the choice comes around. It seems like a foregone conclusion for Judy, but. Uh, you never know. You know, it certainly Alcafina could build up and of course last year the Gotham Awards with uh, the favorite that was a really big thing coming out of the Gotham yep. Awards got people to watch that movie got it on the map and of course Olivia Coleman is now out of nowhere a best actress right. winner for an right. Oscar and well deserved. Well deserved. Well deserved. Fantastic in season <laughs> yeah. 3 of The Crown as well yeah. which I ripped through in, in 2 days over Thanksgiving. Love that. So you never know what comes out. But Marriage Story we'll see. I like marriage story. I, I'm still an, in the 1917 camp, but we'll see how it all goes down. I just think it, it's exciting, if nothing else.
1: I love the best picture look this year because mm-hmm. they are very different movies. Again, there's the, the international, there's the small, there's the big. Yeah. But even, I mean, 1917 is one of my favorites of the year, too. Yeah. Be, because as big and incredible a feat it is, it's actually a very emotional and small story, small which story, is great, which is, you know, that's that's, that's the, the, the perfect balance. That's what you yeah, want. Yeah. Um, but because of that, I feel like we almost have like, it's not Avatar, Hurt Locker, but you do have you have the big guy and you've got the little guys and then you've got the, the dark horses and everything. And I don't think there's a clear frontrunner for Best Picture right Yeah,
4: now. not yet. I think you know, we'll know going into it because a lot of it's going to be who's out on the campaign, what's yeah, that like. campaign like, mm-hmm. what's the buzz like. Uh, but I don't think we're there yet.
3: I liken it to a running back barely squeaking into the end zone with a ball crossing the goal line. It feels like whoever's going to win is going to win by attrition at the end just by a nose. Yeah. Kind of like four versus Friday, just by a nose. <laughs> uh, all right, well, there you go. Thanks, everybody, for watching this live episode of Collider Movie Talk. I can't thank you enough for taking the time in your day to watch us or to listen to us on the podcast feed as well. I want to thank my two guests who were absolutely Incredible and wonderful. That's Rachel Cushing right there. Where can they find you, Rachel? Everything you're doing?
1: Uh, I'm on in social media and in Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. Uh, Rachel J. Cushing. Come at me.
3: There you go. Hey, come at her. That's right. There
1: you go. <laughs> and Matt Hatchedy.
4: What's going on in your world? Uh, you can find me on social media, or at least on Twitter at Matchedy. You can find uh, lots of pictures of my dog on Instagram at Hatchedy, <laughs> hey. uh, and you can see my work on Movie Phone.
3: Yeah, with the lovely Gray Drake. Yeah, Miss Yay. Movie Phone. How fantastic is that? Uh, shout out to her. You can follow me at The Rogue Says on Twitter and on Instagram. Don't forget, Collider Live coming up in 10 minutes. If I've got energy energy left, I will be on that as well. To have a little fun with the crew there, it's always fun. Makuga was back yesterday. He's back again tomorrow. You'll have to do with me until then. Uh, thanks, everybody, for watching this episode of Collider Movie Talk. Shout out to Adam Smith over there, Dorian Parks and Thad Williams, and everyone involved with getting this thing done. And we appreciate you most of all. Take care. Remember to like and retweet this uh, episode, and we'll talk to you n- tomorrow with another live episode of Collider Movie Talk at 9 a.m. PT. Take care until then.
2: People notice a healthy smile, but maybe you have tooth sensitivity, bleeding gums, or acid-weakened enamel. Sensodyne, Peridontax, and Pronamel are trusted specialty toothpaste created to help improve your oral health. For tooth sensitivity, choose Sensodyne. Bleeding gums, get Paradontax. For acid-weakened enamel, ProNamel is the toothpaste for you. Sensodyne, Paradontax, and ProNamel. Trusted specialty toothpaste to help bring home your healthy smile. Visit iBotta to earn cash back. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go! I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds!
0: Why do you start <laughs> with that? The Breakfast Stampede meal.
2: It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary, cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba da ba ba ba.